So Love What I Love now has a Facebook group called Love What I Love Movie Club. And we'd love for all of you listeners to join. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You can share your ideas on episodes. Um, so if you have any specific thoughts on things we say, we can start a discussion. We also like to just have little fun like polls and trivia based on our upcoming episodes. And then even little things like if you guys have your own best worsts, if you want to come up with one that we couldn't think of. If there's anything you want to correct us on, because I'm sure we've made some mistakes on, on facts in oh, the past. Oh, I am sure I have. So Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure on the Cinderella episode, you said it came out in 1977. Yep. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I forgot But to yeah, I think it's a, it's a, be a fun place for the fans to gather and just, uh, you know, say hi, you know, and just really just share your love for movies and things like that. Exactly that, that too. Because at the end of the day, we're all movie fans. So, you know, drop yeah. us a line. Yeah. And we can, you know, we can always take recommendations for future episodes. Obviously, it's a little hard because it has to be something one of us already loves. But maybe it's something we never thought about. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you'll mention a movie. I'll be like, oh, I never, never fucking, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, Love What yeah. I Love Movie Club on Facebook.com. Okay. People know it's .com. Okay, sorry. www.facebook.com. Oh Jesus Christ. Okay. You might need <laughs> HTTP forward slash before that. <sighs> Thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partners to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha Man. And this week we're talking about dazed and confused. Confused is a 1993 film written and directed by Richard Linklater, starring a million people, but just to name a few, Jason London, Joey Lauren Adams, Matthew McConaughey, Wiley Wiggins, and Ben Affleck. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Days and Confused follows a group of Texas high school and junior high school students on the last day of school in 1976. This film had a budget of $6.9 million and only grossed $8 million at the box office. Eh, at least they, you know, grossed. <laughs> kind of, but budgets don't account for marketing. Oh. So they probably end up losing money. Oh. So, Masha, as a total newbie to this movie, what did you think about Dazed and Confused before we watched it? I thought it was, dude, where's my car? Donor bashing time. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you you asked me two times. First you said, is Ashton Kutcher in that? And I said, no. And you're like, I feel like he is. And I said, no. And then you said, oh, it's the other guy from Bulletproof Monk, Sean William Scott. And I was like, thinking of the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I couldn't picture what this movie was in my head. I was surprised by every single actor I recognized in this movie. Like, I didn't know who was going to be in it. I was dazed and confused. <laughs> <laughs> did, the, did the title at least give you any hints or anything like that? I, I knew it was going to be a lot of man. Hey, man. What you doing, man? <laughs> there had to be weed involved, is basically yeah, what I Yeah, with the title like that. I forget who the music artist is who has the famous song Dazed and Confused, but I always think of that one pink floyd song that starts like 
I'm dazed and confused for so long. It's not true. You know that one? Mm-hmm, no. Comfortably numb. It's their famous one. Oh, okay. I don't listen to a lot of Pink Floyd. So <laughs> excuse me to all the fans who are like, "What? Their fucking most famous I, song?" I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I've never heard of any Pink Floyd. I think there was a Pink Floyd song in the Pink Panther movie. Uh, I would guess not. <laughs> 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 also, I know you're not talking about the classic Pink, Pink Panthers, so oh, okay. I, I got no frame of reference here. Know. But All there right. definitely was one, wasn't one in the Peter Sellers movie. <laughs> uh. So you obviously love this movie, Andy. Yes. So what's your history with it? Definitely going to have to pull a mosh on this one and say I do not remember the very first time I saw this movie. But if there's any movie to not remember the first time you saw it, I think this is the one. <laughs> a lot of memory-altering things going on oh, in this yeah. film. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I do remember that I definitely saw it before I went into high school. So I imagine it's the middle school years. Um, and maybe not even the whole thing, because I do remember this was one of those classic Comedy Central would play it all the time, like during the day. Censored, of course, right? Yeah. Oh, big time censored. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which was actually pretty funny, because it's not just the dialogue, but like the constant weed smoking. Like they would always like cut away fast and things <laughs> like, you know, like trying to, you know, I feel like now you could probably show that on TV, but you know, they definitely weren't showing it back then. That's pretty hilarious that they put the effort in trying to cut that up. Yeah, I don't even, I think they should have just not shown the movie. But I remember seeing it in like bits and pieces and always getting thrown off by like the hazing scenes whenever I would see it, I would be like, whoa, that's that's insane. Like, I just never saw that kind of stuff in a high school movie up to that point. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely, like, seeped into my brain a little about, like, what high school could be like, you know? And not so much the hazing thing, because laws were very different by, <laughs> by the time I went into high school. But, yeah, I just remember, like, you know, seeing everybody driving around, listening to music, like, just kind of, like, looking for a good time and and so that kind of informed a lot of like what I thought high school would be like uh all my friends like were pretty much into it um you can kind of kind of guess the kind of crowd I was hanging out with in high school <laughs> that were into this movie mm-hmm. by the time I watched it because you know I started high school in 2004 so this movie was already 11 years old so anybody who would have become a star from this movie was a star right. so it had it had that same thing for me that it did for you last night where I would just watch it and be like, oh, is that young? This per- is that young? Oh, look, look at all these people. Oh, right. This is crazy. And I even brought it up, I think, uh, a couple episodes ago where I just, I said, I like, I always love when that happens because you can never guess it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I brought up, like, Freaks and Geeks as an example. What had American Summers, another movie like that, where they just, like, everyone who just happened to be friends and cast in this movie at the time, there was just so much, like, raw talent that nobody knew. Because you can't guess that, you know, you can you can make a movie like this a thousand times and it's not always going to work out that way where superstars are born out of it. Yeah. So it, that mixed with, you know, as much as I was funny as I found like weed culture and stuff during those years and then the awesome music, because even though I'm like a hip hop head at heart, I don't normally seek out classic rock, but this soundtrack was just like perfectly put together. So I immediately just fell in love with all these songs. So even if I didn't like fall in love with these bands. You know, you can put on Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith, and I'm just like, I'm transported back to the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I just watched it over and over again. And then the beauty of it to me was, you know, as I got older, and now I don't really have too much tolerance for a lot of, like, weed culture jokes. Like, I just find them, you know, as you get older, I just find it a little childish. And, like, most movies where it's focused around, like, stoners doing something, I can still laugh at them. Like, I used to love, I loved Half-Baked, I loved... The Cheech and Chong movies, I loved uh, Harold and Kumar, 
And if you throw those on today, I'll still get some laughs out of it. But it's also, I'm just like, yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit childish. Move this man! But for some reason, this is the one I can always come back to where it's like, it's a good movie. Like, it's not, it's not just like all about like, eh, look how funny it is that we smoke bongs and then say something stupid. It's more just like, it's like a movie about people and then the weed stuff is just kind of peppered in because that's what life was like in 1976 when you were in high school. So, so this one's always stood the test of time to me where no matter how much older I get, I can still just go back and thoroughly enjoy it. That's so interesting. Yeah, and so this was written, directed by Richard Linklater. It wasn't his first movie because he made a, this indie movie called Slacker before this that, that, that kind of like put him on the map, which is really cool and interesting, but it's uh, it's definitely an indie movie. Like, it's Rich, Richard Linklater, I'll talk about him a little more, but he's he loves to be experimental. So that movie's a little bit more. It's interesting to watch, but I don't know if it's as fun to watch. And so this is the first time he got like a budget and a studio movie and something where you know, it, it was like part of a, the system. It wasn't just like him and his buddies raising their own money with a camera and like a small cast. You know, it was like right. that, that movie got him on the map to give him this. And then he went on to make a million interesting movies. Like after this, he did stuff like Suburbia and these other movies in the 90s, like uh, Waking Life, which was which are all very like weird and experimental. Then he struck it huge. And you're going to know him from this. Uh, he directed School of Rock with Jack Black. Oh, yeah. love School of yeah, Rock. Yeah, I love that movie too. Um, it's definitely, it feels less like a Linklater movie than his other movies because it's it's like, it's a pretty straightforward movie. It's hilarious with amazing performances. Like, I, I could watch that movie any day. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit more traditional, like, you know, the, like the kind of stakes that they have and the, the ending. Like, it's, it's a little bit more like a studio picture than his kind of like weird experimental movies he makes. Mm-hmm. As quickly as that rise as like a studio filmmaker happened, then he went on to do the remake of Bad News Bears. School of Rock was the first film that I recognized, like from the slate of films yeah. that you, <laughs> you said. So I don't even know what okay. that is. Oh, uh, well, Bad News Bears. It was a movie in the 70s. And then they decided to do a remake in 2006 with Billy Bob Thornton. It's it's good. It's it's not like amazing, but it's for, for a remake of a movie. Like an old comedy, yeah. Like he did a pretty good job, okay. but it didn't. It wasn't a huge hit like School of Rock was. But I think that was for the best because then he went right back to making like a Richard Linklater movies. Mm-hmm. And I know you haven't seen it, but you probably also know him. He's the guy who did Boyhood, the movie that they shot over twelve years. Oh yes, I actually did see that movie. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. So, did you see any similarities between that and like this? Like movie, like Days of the Confused. Well, one similarity kind of being that there's no like real problem or like core issue yes like it's not <laughs> it's movie. not a movie where it's like this happens we have to solve this right. so we can get here it's more just like painting a picture of of a kind of like of a people well yeah. in that movie is a person's life and this it's like painting a picture of all these different people's lives right it's a lot of establishing the world and the environment rather than exactly like yeah said. yeah you might actually like uh he also he has this trilogy of movies I always forget the order that they come. Actually, I always forget the names of them, but it's it's like before sunrise, before sunset, after midnight. I want to say those are the three. Could be totally wrong because I'm not looking it up in front of me. But what's cool about those movies, um, the first movie is about a couple that like meets and falls in love, and then he makes a sequel every 10 years where you check in on these couples. Yeah. So like the first one was, I, again, not really looking all this in front of me, but I think it was like 94 was the first one maybe, and then the second one was 2004, and then the other one was 2014. And, and he does the same thing where he casts the same people. And yeah, it's Ethan Hawke and someone else. <laughs> I forget who the woman is. But yeah, so 
So like I think that's a really cool like he just like he was like oh what, how interesting would it be to make a movie where every ten years you come back and like see where these characters are at mm-hmm. and then I think he took that idea and ran with it with Boyhood where he's just like we're gonna film stuff every year for twelve years until we until we do it so yeah, needless to say I think Richard Richard Linklater is very interesting um, even if I don't love all of his movies like I've seen like he made one called A Scanner Darkly which people love but I I couldn't really get into. But I just, I love his, like, experimental nature. Like, he'll just, like, he doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I want to make a movie the way no one's ever made a movie before. Because mm. no one's done something like Boyhood. Like, and, yeah. and even the Before Sunrise thing, like, no one's done that on purpose. Like, sometimes, you know, we'll get, like, you know, we'll get a movie and then 20 years later, like, let's make a sequel. But, like, no one's ever, like, every 10 years we're going to come back and see these people. So, who knows? Maybe by 2024 we're going to see another after, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to call it. I guess so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't seem too convinced. <laughs> no, no. I, I think it's a, just a different type of experimental. Like, is Michelle Gondry the guy who did Eternal Sunshine? And Be Kind Rewind. Yeah. yeah like, I, I, I guess I kind of preferred those kind of experimental mm-hmm. versus this one so far. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Awesome. That's all. And uh, so, like, with this movie, he basically, like, he felt that like he he loved like the john hughes movies and and the teen movies and he always felt like there was always like a a a huge high of teen movies and then it kind of goes away for a little while like high school movies and so he just felt like in 93 when he made this that there wasn't any like the teen high school movie was dead like everybody was over john hughes by that point Mm. breakfast club 16 candles all that stuff so he was just like i just want to like bring it back and so and then he pick the era that he went to high school so you know he was he was born in 1960 so he would have been 16 in 1976 when this movie took place that's cool so it's very much based on just what he went through at that time you know and like what he observed because he's a very observational guy so i thought that was all really interesting and then the last little bit that i thought that i learned that i thought was cool before we jump into the plot was because he's this weird experimental guy before before he knew this was going to be like before this got like funding and a studio behind it his original plan was he wanted to make a film that takes place entirely in a car and it's it's just somebody driving around in 1976 while listening to a full album so the whole movie would be the length of the album and then every song would inform either what they talk about what they see and he just kind of wanted to make like almost like a movie version of listening to an album by That's having a guy cool. drive around. It's cool on paper uh, because he never made it. There's, I can't really, I don't know if that would be like a fun movie to watch, mm-hmm. you know, but then. And what? also, is it more of a playlist because. No, or... it was going to be a single album. Like, oh, I like see. He really wanted it to be like, I, I don't know what the album would have been, but. Something that took place in the 70s. Like, that's the idea that grew into this movie. Because then he just eventually realized, he's like, I just want to make a movie that captures my childhood. Because what we did most of the time was drive around and listen to music. And have you ever heard of the movie American Graffiti? I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a George Lucas movie um, from the 70s that uh, was about kids in the 50s. Like, teenagers in the 50s. You know, and like, what that was like. Because that's when George Lucas was a teenager. It's very similar to this. Like, Richard Linklater even said, like, I just wanted to make my own American graffiti. Like, this was 1993 talking about 1976. That was, like, 1973 talking about 1956. <laughs> um, and then the funny thing is that American Graffiti is, like, kind of the movie that spawned Happy Days. Because <laughs> um, Ron Howard was in the movie. And then some, like, George Lucas had nothing to do with making of Happy Days. But the idea of making a TV show that was set 20 years earlier... So you could watch, because Happy Days was in the 70s, but it took place in the 50s, you know. Right. So it all made sense. So I just, like, I like all the kind of cyclical nature of all this and how it connects together. Right. 
I love when um, directors, you know, it's kind of like their letter to themselves or like just trying to time capsule, you know, part of their life. It's like, it's symbolic of like the art, you know, it's making something for yourself to remember. Definitely. And then also just like paying like homage to the stuff that came before you. Right. I imagine as a young, like as a young teenager in the 70s, he was probably watching American Graffiti and like fell in love with it. You know, it's a really good movie. It was kind of the thing for like a few years, like maybe three years, it was what George Lucas was known for until he made Star Wars. And then people tend to completely forget he made American Graffiti. But it's a really good movie. All right. Um, Yeah, but should we just kind of jump into the plot and the story or the lack thereof, I guess, (laughs) in this movie? Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Let's do it, man. Like I mentioned, this is uh, one of those movies that takes place entirely over the course of one day. I, I always find those to be really fun. It's the last day of school in Austin, Texas, 1976. And you can make an argument that there's one or two people as the main character, but really it's a complete ensemble movie. And it really just, I think, seamlessly jumps between all these different people and what their mindset are like during this time and then what it's like to all kind of cohabitate in the same school together yeah it was kind of weird though because there were a couple of people that i recognized for things that they're in today or like they're they're recognizable actors but they didn't have as many lines so like they kind of felt like extras which was weird i mean in a lot of cases they were (laughs) like Mm -hmm. because again like nobody knew who they were going to be, so yeah, like true. I didn't get a chance to point it out in the movie because I just forgot at the time. But Renee Zellweger is an extra in this movie. Like, there's a couple oh. scenes where she's just in the back, like pouring a beer bong, right? Um, because she went to school with Matthew McConaughey, and so she just came to hang out on set. So yeah, this uh, I feel like this conversation will be a little hard to have because, like you said, there is no like real plot to this movie. It just kind of like flows from moment to moment, but. I don't know. I guess just uh, we we haven't talked at all about it. So I guess, like, <laughs> this got... is the first time we haven't talked at all. about Yeah, it. it was weird. Usually we try to record like the day after we watch something, but in this case we just couldn't. We had to wait a few days, and yeah. it, it's such a weird experience to just watch a movie with someone, turn it off, and then not say a single word about <laughs> it because we're saving it all for the podcast. Well, I will say that going into this film, it kind of felt a little bit like Be Kind Rewind, except without the plot. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> You were like, what's this movie about? The whole movie for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, and then I, you know, like, I guess an hour in, I was like, oh, this is just about being in high school and being in this time and what people do with their friends. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, I love a high school movie. I will say that the hazing factor was a little crazy, and I am happy that I didn't grow up in the 70s. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, the hazing stuff was, was pretty nuts. Like, race outside of it, you know, just like, <laughs> even if I were a white person going to this high school, like, oh, yeah. what is this hazing about? <laughs> Where are the adults in this movie? Like, no adults at all. Is well, that... there's that one conversation that the nerd characters have where, and... where they're just like, they're kind of saying like how does the whole town like condone this it's all but like i love it because you get a little taste of that like hometown like when uh this is gonna be so hard because i know you don't know any of these characters names (laughs) so every time i'm gonna say a character's name you're not gonna know what i'm talking about good luck yeah when uh when pink the he's like the (laughs) Uh, i was like pink the artist He's like the closest thing to the main character we have. He's the the one the quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback. He's the one who navigates all the social circles. Like he's friends with everybody, basically. Yes. When he's at the baseball game, and there's that old couple talking to him. Yes. Um, and like you know, they're all like 
encouraging him what it's going to be like when he plays football next year and how they're going to they're going to bring the championship home like i think that scene's really good at just establishing this small town nature and like how you know nobody really leaves and so they take like things like high school football incredibly seriously mm. so it, it kind of explains to me like high school seems like a really big moment in a lot of these people's lives even as they get older and so it's it's more just like a tradition thing like they say like like when the when the senior girls are doing it to the freshman girls, all the hazing, like they were like, you know, don't worry. I went through this when I was your age. You're going to do it when you're my age. Like, it's just part of growing up here. Like, it's just like what they do. Right. Um, so interesting. Yeah. The hazing stuff was pretty crazy, but I like this movie's just so, I find it so realistic where yes, everybody participates in this kind of hazing stuff, but you still see the different levels that people take it to. There's like the Ben Affleck people and the Parker Posey people who like, you could tell they were fucking waiting for this moment to like, mm-hmm. to become a senior so they could finally like wreak havoc on younger people and feel like this dominance. But a lot of the other people, they're just like, they were doing it because they do it, but they, you know, they, they weren't, they didn't have like hate in their heart, you know, like right. they, they end up taking some of them out to hang out with them afterwards and things like that. So Right, right off the bat, I guess I can say the thing I love about this movie and why I think it's a lot more realistic than a lot of other high school movies is so many high school movies take the idea of clicks and run with it way too hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of writers just get really hung up on like, oh, you know, clicks can represent what it's like in society and, and different groups of people. And, hi- and like, they try to use it as like an allegory for like class structure and, and all this other stuff. So the rich kids hate the poor kids and the goth kids hate these kids. But that's, personally, that wasn't my experience. Like, yes, there were cliques, and yes, people had, like, their quote-unquote groups, but you did still go to high school with everybody, and everybody knew everybody, and it wasn't that weird for the stoner kid to be hanging out with the football player, who also, you know, maybe he's a little bit smart, so he's kind of friends, so, like, when he has class with the smart kids, they're buddies, you know? Mm -hmm. So... That's what I loved about this movie, where at any given point, like, I've seen it a million times, and I'm always just, like, I love how, like, seamlessly people just, just hang out with other people, and they're, they're all at the same social functions, and it's not that weird, like, when you're in high school, it's not that weird to just be like, hey, we're gonna go over here and smoke a joint, and all of a sudden you're in a car with, like, one person you're friends with, but two other people you don't really know that well, but you're like, oh, we have shop class together, and things like that, so I just love how like natural it makes it all seem Mm -hmm. because you know we've talked about it in other movies where there's always that scene like oh that's the table with the nerds that's the table with the jocks that's the table with the cowboys what fucking movie was that (laughs) that was uh 10 things i hate about yeah 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 that's just like the cowboys Uh, (laughs) but that was actually funny like they played that for laughs so i don't know how did you feel about that like what do you like when you were in high school like do you remember it being more like this movie or or kind of like the way it's portrayed in other things oh no i i remember it being more realistic like people talking to other people no matter yes you had clicks but yeah people everybody knew each other i went to a small high school and from my experience you know my la-di-da-di-da experience <laughs> yeah. you know everybody kind of got along with everybody obviously there were like some kerfuffles or is kerfuffle a word yeah it's a, it's a word oh great um <laughs> Um, you know, obviously there were like, you know, occasional bullying and all this stuff, like crappy stuff that happens in high school. Of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah, everybody knew each other. And that's why I think I was a little thrown off at first too, because I saw the Ben Affleck 
in this movie and like all the hazing going on and then uh-huh. you know to see a senior pulling over a freshman and being like we're going to a party later want to come and i was like oh like that was the moment where i was like oh they're actually like real people here yeah. like they're not going that route i do remember though the first because <laughs> there's the two main freshmen we follow which is sabrina mitch. the girl and mitch who's right. the boy and they uh like the first time after the hazing when they invite sabrina out like i think you audibly you were like uh-oh like yes. you, were, you were thinking it was gonna be like this big like carrie-esque prank where I'm, they're gonna like take her out i'm pretty sure her. i said i wouldn't trust somebody who just hazed me yeah yeah <laughs> But also, like, if you remember, like, they asked her if she wanted to do it. Like, they didn't, like, they didn't, like, open up the trunk and grab freshman girls and throw them in the back. Like, they... well, that was weird. I feel like they just asked Sabrina. I felt like they forced everyone else to get into the back. Yeah, of the well, truck. just because the scene cuts, they're already in the truck. So yeah, I always took it true. that they were just like, all right, who, like, who wants to like, come and be part of this and mm-hmm. then this and that. So, so yeah, I just remember when you were like, oh, no, like, something bad's gonna happen. Like, in my head, I was like, yeah, that's not this movie. Like, this isn't, they're not gonna, like, go and then prank this girl, and then, you know, someone's gonna get killed by accident, and the town's, it's not like, it's yeah. not that at all. Like, it's- I was a little creeped out about the, like, will you marry me hazing portion, yeah, like, with yeah. the girls kneeling down oh, to of the course. guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's mm. totally, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I like it, too, because it's more, it just felt like they were following, like, this tradition because even, like, when they, they go up to Don's character, he's the one who's always trying to get laid the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He was Pink's best friend on the football team. Yeah. When they bring the freshman girl to him to do the will you marry me, and then he makes the joke about her giving him a blowjob, like, that the senior girl just, like, took the other girl away, and she's like, you're a dick. Like, you know, like, oh. like this is supposed to be, like, light and funny, and, like, you know, you just made it, like, a lot creepier, you know? So there's still any time... It was always, like, like I just said, like, it's always, like, a realistic portrayal of how this would go down like yes there's gonna be guys who are gonna make that joke but then there's gonna be guys like tony you know the nerd guy who is just like anthony rap (laughs) i love him (laughs) is it just from rent or from anything else yeah, it's just right. Is, is he still as pale as he was in this movie? Because he's the palest human I've ever seen. In this. Like, like he looks. The sun just reflects off of his skin in every moment. Up next, Whitey Willoughby. Does he still look like that? Yes, um, I'm pretty sure he's on the Star Trek show on CBS All Access. Oh, Discovery. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Um, I haven't seen that, and I also haven't seen Rent. So. Uh. <laughs> Well, he was in the movie, right? Because that means he was in the play as well. Because that's the, yeah, they, they, he was on the original uh, the cast. The, the original cast. That's cool. So yeah, I knew. Uh, and one of the reasons I, you know, like why I thought you would love this movie is a the just the cast alone. Like I was just, ex- I know you would get so excited when you see a young version of anybody. <laughs> I feel like we had. There was a point where you had to pause the movie and be like, "All right." You good? Like, <laughs> because I would just be like, oh my God. But there were also a couple ones where you didn't recognize, and I was like, really? You don't know who Parker Posey is? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and like, I recognize the woman from Big Daddy. She so has funny. the same exact voice. I, I love that to you, she's the woman from Big Daddy. Oh. <laughs> like, she's been in so many like other good movies. <laughs> I feel like eventually down the line on this, I'm going to pick Chasing Amy as one of my movies, but she's the, oh. she's the main woman from Chasing Amy. Mm, is she? Oh, she's not Amy. Nobody's Amy. No. Oh. <laughs> we'll get into it when we watch Spoiler. it. Spoiler. <laughs> <No. laughs> 
Um, but I will say I loved seeing all of the, there were some like typical high school movie things that did happen in this movie that I personally have never pursued. Like, like what are you talking about? The throwing papers in the air and the last day of school. That's and funny because like... <laughs> I, I actually remember doing that, but not really in high school. That was more like a middle school thing. Like I remember when like sixth, seventh, and eighth grade on those last days of school, there was a like, madhouse in the hallway. Like everybody would be clearing out their lockers just like that. We'd all be sprinting and running and yelling. But I do remember by the time I was in high school, everybody was like acting like too cool, like you know, like to do uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but no, that was totally that interesting. Was totally realistic to me, like that that pure celebration of the last day of school. Right. It's interesting because I throughout the movie was wondering if there was an actual script for this movie. Uh, there was, but um. And this is another thing you'll like, and you, you, there's no way to really catch it while you're watching, but um, I remember a few episodes ago you were saying how you love like actors and directors collaborating. Yes. Um, this movie, like, it's full, so many of the actors thought of their own lines and Richard just like let them do it. To the point where, in the little documentary I watched about it, every actor was like, man, this movie completely spoiled us. For what an acting career was going to be like. Because um, I'm not going to say it was everybody's first movie. But I would say 80 to 85% of the cast. This was their first movie they were ever on. So they just said it like colored the experience. Because it was so much fun. And it was so lighthearted. And there was actually a lot of problems between Richard Linklater and the studio executives. Like we can get into it a little more. But hmm. um, just in terms of like how he was running his set. And like going behind schedule. And, and kind of... Because you know he was... He was like a young filmmaker as well. He's used to making indie films where, you know, it's like, you know, you're just out there with your buddies, you know, you're paying people with beer and you're just like having having laughs in between takes. But when you're doing a movie of this size with this many cast members and this many people and locations, you got to stay on schedule. So there was a lot of those problems. But Richard Linklater, he took all that on himself and he never let that like translate onto the set. So he was all like the actors, they all talk about this like it was the funnest thing they've ever done. They all became close friends. They were all laughing in between sets, tons of jokes. And they all would just have ideas for lines and they would just go to Richard and be like, hey, can I uh, like say this? And he'll be like, yeah, that works. Totally do that. And it ended up getting cut from the movie. But even Joey Laurie Adams, a.k.a. the Joey Lauren Adams, uh, a.k.a. the Big Daddy Girl. Yes. Like her and Parker Posey, like they became best friends on set. And even though they had scenes together, they didn't really have a lot of like dialogue together in the movie. And then, so sorry, Parker Posey. She is... was the mean. She was the Ben Affleck version of the girls. Okay, like, she got was it. A super mean one. The brunette lady. Yeah, they were like best friends on set and everything. And they were just like, we really want to have a scene together. And then one night after they were done shooting, they just wrote a scene, <laughs> like as as two actors, like you know, just like wrote a script for a scene and brought it to Richard and be like, hey, can we do this? And he was like, yeah, totally. And then put the entire production like behind schedule and just like shot a scene that they weren't wow. even planning on doing. He said the original cut of this movie was like two hours and 45 minutes. So he obviously had to cut a lot out. So that did make the cutting room floor. So I've never seen that scene, but... um. I just find that, like, what other movie can you do that? Like, two actors go to the director and be like, hey, we wrote five pages. Like, can we go film this? And then he just goes, yeah, why not? Oh, man. Um, but yeah, so it was very collaborative. And a lot of that came from, like, Richard understood when he wrote this movie that he's not a bad writer. He knows that he writes movies without a lot of, like, quote-unquote plot. So he was just like, when he finished the script, he's like, this movie is going to be 70% dependent on the performances and the actors bringing life to this. So he took casting very seriously, and when he cast everybody, he gave them a lot of time to like prepare for their roles, and he did a lot of cool stuff. Like he made mixtapes for all the actors, 
of songs that he thought their characters would like from that time period. So he would send them these tapes and be like, hey, this is like your character is would listen to these in their free time. So, you know, that's uh, helped that to inform your character. He, you know, kind of told them like what they would be wearing, like how they would normally dress. And then he gave them a lot of time to just come up with their own backstories Mm. and their own kind of like motivations for stuff and then to bring those onto set. So even though this movie only takes place in a day, there was tons of stuff that they discussed that didn't even make it onto the film where it would be, you know, like, oh, this is kind of what your person's planning for the future. This is what your person was like when they were a freshman. This is what your person, you know, he even said to them, this is going to be very dependent on what you guys bring to the table. There's not a lot on the page here. So if this movie is going to be a success, they have to believe that you're real people you have, they have to believe, like, you know, you have to be charming, like, you know, like, be like, you have to be likable people. So even when you're an asshole, you still have to be, you know, somewhat either relatable or likable or memorable in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he just knew that this entire thing was really going to fall on the actors. And the fact that they were all young and doing their first movies is just crazy to me. Like They did a great job. And I think that like everything you mentioned, all of that work in the background of working on their characters, I think it really shone through. Like I, I believed everybody, and unlike other weed influenced movies, I guess it seemed like they put a lot of work into the characters. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I was saying like earlier, where this is the one that I can still keep going back to because mm-hmm. it's not just about hey, let's make a bunch of weed jokes. It's right. it's. It's, they're real people. Going back to my point earlier about like it wasn't high school wasn't really about like cliques hating other cliques. It was like everyone really can get along with like everybody, but then there were individual people. Like I totally believe that Benny could be hanging out with Matthew McConaughey's Wooderson or Slater if he was like put in the right position. But at the end of the day, he was more into sports and drinking and doing the hazing stuff, and he kind of thought the drugs were like gonna throw you like waste your life away. Blah blah blah. And that stuff does come out, but it is more on an individual basis as opposed to like, no, we're the football players. These are what we do. And this and this is what we do. And like, I remember certain stories. Like, like I remember that, like, I, I can look at all these characters and be like, yeah, I knew that guy in high school. <laughs> like, or I knew that person in, in high school. Like, you know, because me and, me and my friends, like, we like to go around and like, you know, we would drive around and smoke weed and this and that. And, you know, I, I can remember like a certain situation where my one friend started dating this girl who was like, quote unquote, like a more like good girl, you know, like who didn't really like go out and party all the time. And she had friends who were like that. And then she ended up breaking up with my friend because her friend was like, you know, oh, you're hanging out with those like dirt bags who smoke weed. And if you hang out with them, like, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. And then, you know, wow. just kind of like stupid shit like that. And then so like when I see Benny have that scene, I'm like, yeah, I I've, I remember that, you know, like. Like, everyone, you can be judging people, but in a more, not, like, subtle way, but, like, it was it was about you as an individual, not as about your clique and what your clique thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Should we just go into, like, full-on talking about this movie? Yeah, I should have said it earlier, but there is no... I feel like we throw our structure away for 50% of the episodes. <laughs> but in this one, like, there's no spoilers. Like, it's it's just, it's a day in high school where it's the last day of school... There's going to be a big party. The party gets canceled and then they have a party somewhere else. Like it's <laughs> it's not it's not really that big of a deal. But to go another thing that I really love about this movie and I think Richard Linklater captured so perfectly was he didn't want to make a big giant he didn't want to put big giant stakes in this movie because he's like from my memory or the high school that I grew up in 
things weren't like that serious. It wasn't, you know, I'm thinking of movies like 13 where like the girls smoke weed and then all of a sudden by the end of the movie, they're like doing heroin. I don't even remember what the hell happens in that movie, but like there's always some kind of cautionary tale or something super epically big happens. And he's like, that's not how I remember high school. I remember it being a little bit more low stakes, but what this movie is really good is even though it's low stakes in the grand scheme of life, to you in that moment, it feels very high stakes. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie captures that perfectly. Like uh, Mitch getting worried at the baseball game that the seniors were going to get him and, and give him the paddling. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the, I mean, to me, that felt high stakes. But. Yeah, like, I know, mean, because the way it's filmed in that moment, you see, you feel Mitch. Like, you're, you're watching this baseball game, but the camera's always on Mitch, and he's always got one eye on the baseball game and one eye on those guys. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that it's, it's like, it's daunting on him so bad. And then it happens, and it is bad, but it, it's over, and then he ends up becoming friends with half those guys. So it's like, it's more that, that sense in high school where you everything feels like the end of the world. And then when it's over, you realize it's not the end of the world at all. And then when you're removed from high school by like 10 years or so, you barely remember any of that shit. You're just like, you're like, yeah, yeah, that was, I was super stressed about this one thing. And it seemed mega important at the time. But it was just a moment in me growing as like a person, you know what I mean? So everything seems, so to the football players, like Pink not playing football the senior year seemed insane. Like, it seemed like the biggest thing that could ever happen to them. But, you know... The only thing the adults are concerned about. <laughs> yeah, the only thing the adults are concerned about is that... And, by like, I love by the end, you know, his best friend, Don, the the one who's, who's always trying to get laid. Hmm. Like, the whole movie, he's really on the side of, like, hey, man, you shouldn't quit. You shouldn't quit, this and that. And then when the cards are on the table, he he finally, at the end, is like, you know, he throws the permission slip back at the at the coach, and he's like, "I don't even know if I'm going to play ball next year." And Don just goes, "So that's that." He goes, "Yeah, he goes, all right." And he like walks <laughs> away, and I was just like, "That's like that's high school." Like you know, like things seem so big in the moment, but you're you're resilient. Like you can kind of get over stuff. So I just love the way that movie portrays it, where like so many things. You know, Pickford's going to have that party, and then his parents find out the party's dead. And in that moment, he seems like, oh, my life's over. I was going to have the most epic party. And then, you know, later he's playing foosball, one scene later. And he's just like, hey, man, like, whatever. We're going to do something else. And I, I just... and wow. uh, I, Sorry, to keep bring, I'm just going to keep bringing up scenes that, that at this point. When, I can't remember his name, but Adam Goldberg's character, the the neurotic nerd. Yeah. Like, that's that big fight scene with, with Clint. Like, you know, like, he comes to that party... Clint gets in his face, talks a bunch of shit, and then you just see him, it's riling him up for, like, the whole party. He's like, that piece of shit, this and that, I'm gonna go fight him, this and that. And then they do get into a pretty big fight, and it's pretty, like, in intense. And he ends up getting his ass kicked, and he's even, like, crying for a moment after it. But then the next time you see him, he's just looking at the bruises, and he's like, ah, oh, it makes me look a little tough, you know? Like, <laughs> you would think in, like, a, the way you would normally write a movie, it would be this big moment, he would, like, learn something from it. But it's like, no, sometimes you just, you get your ass kicked, and then, like, you move on, and... So I just love how everything's built up like it's this super important thing for the character that's going through it. And then when it's like over, they're just moving on with their life until the next thing. And I, that's that's to me why I think it's a little bit more realistic than so many other high school movies. Mm, yeah. You know, so many movies are like, we have to get laid, you know, like an American Pie. And it's like this big epic thing. We must make a stand here and now. No longer will our penises remain flaccid and unused. We will fight for every man out there who isn't getting laid and should be. This is our day. This is our time. And by God, we will not stand by and watch history condemn us into celibacy. Amen. I like that. Yes, we will make a stand. 
We will succeed. About time! We will get laid! Yes! Nobody's making packs and, and going on missions in high school. You just kind of go with the flow. Yep. And shit happens to you. You know what I mean? Like some good, some bad. You, you dust yourself off and you keep moving on. I appreciate that. And even like, you know, the... Uh, I think her name was Jody, Mitch's older sister. Mm-hmm. Like when she takes Pink into the into the woods and then kisses him, and she's like cheating on his girlfriend. Like I was like, yeah, that happened. Like it didn't. That didn't I lead up to a scene roll. where where his girlfriend like finds out and then freaks out about it. I'm like, yeah, I remember in high school people were cheating on everybody all the time, and like it's just like you're young. It's 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 just I think it's a perfect example of just being young and just letting shit happen. You know what I mean? How do you feel about that? <laughs> Sorry, I just talked a whole lot. <laughs> no, I said I, I, I can appreciate that. I personally have not watched many movies like this, honestly. Uh-huh. You know, where it's just like, this is life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, that was why I compared it to Boyhood so much. Where right. It's, it's very similar where so many things happen in that movie and then it's just like the next year. And like, yeah, he learned from the thing, but it didn't define his whole life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I I loved it like cause I man we did stupid shit in high school like we're, and like you know you don't realize like how much you know you look back on high school sometimes and you you've done some really stupid shit and you're like man if I was this age now like I would recognize how like dangerous what we were doing was but at the time we just like laughed it off like they're destroying mailboxes in this movie and that guy comes out Ooh. with a gun you know and like in that moment they're really scared but as soon as they get away they're cracking up they're like this is hilarious like like Ben Affleck was like proud that that woman pulled a shotgun on him for trying to like beat up his son you know like he just thought it was like oh a mark of badassness right and so that that was really funny shaking my head yeah i guess there's there must be like an additional disconnect for me just because i didn't i don't know what i'm trying to say you didn't do crazy stuff in high school. I didn't school. do crazy stuff in <laughs> high school. <laughs> so I'm like, why are they breaking all these rules? And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Like, yeah, like, I got a story. Like, this this will give you a taste of what I was like at fucking 17. Oh, man, um, I love it. Yeah, so, you know, we were, you know, little pot-smoking teenagers, you know, just looking, driving around looking for ways to smoke weed and where you to go. You were? <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> And, you know, like, yes, at this age, at the age I'm talking about the story, we did have a couple of my friends had licenses and cars, like not all of us, but, uh, you know, like, so we could just drive around and like smoke weed, but you wanted to, you wanted to like, you know, that, that, that goes fast. You want to like have a destination, you go somewhere. So there was this, ab- <laughs> this fucking story. <laughs> there was this abandoned house in our neighborhood. And, you know, because we're dumb, we're like, that's a good place to smoke weed. So... We, you know, we, we waited one night. We went there kind of late, like like when the sun was already down. We, I apologize. I was, at times I was a shitty kid. Just to let you guys know. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we snuck, we snuck into the house. Like, you know, I had a little break a window, Jimmy the lock. We went in, we went through with a flashlight, kind of checked out the whole house. <laughs> I like that you're equipped with the flashlight. Oh yeah, we came, like it was, we planned this, you know. <laughs> And then, uh, and then we kind of like deemed it was safe. And then we were like, oh, this is pretty sweet. Then we went to one of the rooms and like, you know, started smoking weed in the room and hanging out. And, you know, that was a big deal at 17 because we all lived with our parents. So we didn't have like a place to do stuff. Like it was always either at the park or, you know, like it was always like somewhere sketchy. Like, so it was very, we felt like we had like an apartment, you know, Mm -hmm. and it became like a decently regular thing. I think we did it like five, six times. We even, like, went to the store and bought those little, like, light, bright tap lights so we could, like, light up the room and things like that. Wow. We had, like, a couple of candles. And then 
you know, this, and that's like a crazy thing to do. Like, you know, you're, you're, it's, and by abandoned house, I th- I'm pretty sure it was just like a for sale house that was for sale for like eight years. And like, so like the grass was overgrown. So like abandoned's not even the right word. <laughs> it was just like a house that was never bought. Oh, man. Such a shitty thing to do. Yeah, I was a, I was a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and then one time we go to sneak in there, like after, after we got real comfortable there. We we always did a sweep of the house as soon as we got there. Oh, so this was more than one time. Yeah, I'm saying we did it like five, six times. Oh wow. It All became right. like the spot, you know. One time, like, you know, we were doing our sweep of the house and then we went to the one room we would always go to to smoke weed on the second floor. And then we got up there, all our our little uh like light brights and shit were like flipped over everywhere. The couch that was normally like upright was laid down like a futon, like like a bed, oh. you know? And then there was just a pile of human shit right in the middle of the room. And then we were just like, okay, there's a homeless person that's staying here somewhere. And we got the fuck out of there. And like, and we never went back after that. That was the last time. But like, at the time we thought that was the funniest story. Like we were just like, ah, that's crazy. Like how nuts is that? But like, I'm looking at it now. It's like, we were just a bunch of punk kids. Like, like we could have easily got hurt. Like, you know, like someone could have, someone could have been in the house. Like, like I think about that now and I'm like, I would never in a million years think of doing something like that. A for safety, B for like, how shitty it is to do property damage to someone else's property. Like, there were so many things now that I look back and I'm like, we were just shitty, dumbass kids. Yeah. But then when I watch scenes, like, of them throwing bowling balls through people's car windows, like, we didn't do stuff that bad. You know, we did, like, scavenger hunt things around town where you would, like, you know, be like, all right, everyone who can, you know, go steal a street sign, you get this many points and this and that. And, like, I'm not going to mention names because this was pretty (laughs) illegal. But there there was a thing in our town a sign that like welcomed you to like this one neighborhood and it was like the quote unquote like rich part like neighborhood where like all of the like real big houses were and like we fucking uh, hooked hooked a rope to this giant sign that said welcome to this area hitched it to my friend's jeep and tore the whole sign down oh my god because it was worth the most points in the in the scavenger hunt and you know you're just you're just fucking stupid at that time. I'm getting a heart attack over here. <laughs> I couldn't eat. My friends had to like beg me to cut class on like the last weeks of school, <laughs> and that was hard for me. <laughs> like nobody's in class. I couldn't even like leave campus without yeah. like Having getting a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> And you're, oh my god, I can't believe it. But that's why, that's why this movie's brilliant, because I bet you were relating way more to the nerd characters who were like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you could really relate to the nerds. Marge, try to understand. There are two kinds of college students, jocks and nerds. As a jock, it is my duty to give nerds a hard time. Hey, pal, did you get a load of the nerd? Pardon me? But just, like, how they were a little bit more neurotic and, like, even the idea of, like, going to party was, like, kind of, like, stressing them out a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they were just like, oh, what are we going to go drink beer and, like, uh, be, you know, like this and that. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's, there's like, this movie just hits every personality type. Like, because like, I knew people like Slater, who was, like, the super stoner character. Like, I knew Slaters. I knew people like Mila Jovovich, who were the kind of, like, artsy like, they also like to, like, smoke weed and do drugs, but it was more, like, about, like, playing music and painting and being a little bit more artsy, you know? Like, so I just, I think this movie just hits so many different types of people that you knew in high school and, and does it so realistically. <laughs> Is there a character that resonated with you? Like, you feel like you were most like this character? Not a single character, but 
I could relate. I mean, I would say I could relate a lot to Slater because I like to smoke a lot of weed. Back in the, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, man. Sorry, Slater is the one with the long... The long hair. Okay, okay. You okay. know, the, the, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. man. You know, that guy. The one who was always just like, you know, he was like building a wooden bong in wood shop. Like, you know, like his, like his whole thing was, you know, and having those stupid conversations. George Washington used to smoke weed, man. Like, you know, and Martha would have a bowl packed for him because she was a good one. You know, like all that stupid, those dumb ass weed conversations you have that you think are like smart when you're 16. Yeah. And you look back and you're like, God, we were fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> so I relate to him a lot. And then. In only one way do I relate to Pink, who is the quarterback character. Not by the quarterback stuff, but because I I was always, like, a leading up to high school, I was definitely a fucking nerd. Like, I just, you know, was really into video games and shit like that. And I, I wasn't, like, cool by any means. And mm-hmm. then when I did start smoking weed, it kind of, like, opened me up a little bit personality-wise. And I was able to kind of, like, in a weird way be less self-conscious about myself and, like, you know, go to different types of parties and meet different types of people. And so I was definitely friends with like the stoner crowd, but they were like, those were like the hardcore stoner kids. And so I wasn't always hanging out with them. Sometimes I'd be with like nerdy friends. And then, you know, I, I ran track. So even though tracks aren't the jockiest kids, they were still like the athletic kids. So I had buddies there. Mm. So I felt his kind of like the way he just flowed through social circles. Like I related to that a lot, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think a mix of those two. But without like the being the quarterback and the coolest kid on campus, like that that was not me at all. Like that that was pink to a T and like I was more just like the way he was just kind of friends with everybody. Mm. And that, you know. Yeah. Did you see yourself in anybody? I feel like I saw myself a little bit in Sabrina, actually. Yeah. <laughs> As a freshman, <laughs> of course. Just because I've had a lot of experiences, whether it's in high school or through summer camp, where, you know, you're kind of just and I guess Mitch as well, just kind of being like taken under the wing of like someone older than you and kind of being introduced to, um, you know, like a cool lifestyle or yeah. just like drinking and stuff like that's sort of how I got introduced to my first beer or, you know. Totally, totally. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I related to Mitch too, where like I loved you know, how awkward and weird he is for the first half of the movie. And then once he gets accepted by the seniors and then he notices that one 10th grade girl is kind of into him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to buy the beer and he like, he, he actually gets the guy to sell him the beer. Yeah. And like, he just walks back into that place they're hanging out with such like a different attitude and All swagger. confidence. Yeah. Like, cause you could tell he's, He's modeling a lot of the stuff out of Wooderson, Matthew McConaughey's character, because he hears him having that conversation where he's like, I'm thinking of going to school, man, but I'm kind of thinking of keeping on, holding on to this job, a little money in my pocket. And then he says that exact same thing to the to the store clerk. Yep. And then, you know, when Wooderson first walks into, into the Emporium where they're hanging out, you know, Bob Dylan's Hurricane is playing. It's in slow motion. And like, you know, he's just like, he's like the king of the, the place, you know? And then later when Joseph Gordon, wow. <laughs> I didn't. I That's didn't really this. funny that you said Joseph Gordon-Levitt because I I thought he could have easily been in this movie. Yeah, anyway. well, because when I first saw this movie, it was uh, it was a couple years after it came out, and Third Rock from the Sun was already out, uh, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt had that long hair, the same hair. So I always confused him as a kid because I didn't, you know, 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt wasn't famous yet. That was right. like his first big role was that show. So I just knew him as the kid from that show. So <laughs> in my mind, I used to always mix them up. And it's just so funny that I just said that. <laughs> um, even though this was most of the actors' first movies, they were all still like actors. But Mitch and Sabrina were the two people they literally just plucked out of high school. Like they weren't actors at all. Like, I could tell that with Sabrina, not Mitch, not as much. Really? Because I kind of, I think Mitch gives one of like the worst performances in the movie. Really? I could just, he does so many things like, they even counted on IMDb where they were like, Wiley Wiggins touches the bridge of his nose 46 times in this movie. And I could tell that that was like a nervous tick he was doing just to like, where like, you know, he would constantly like put his fingers up to his nose and be like, oh, what is he doing? Like, you know, like I could just tell like if he was like an actual actor who had training, they would probably be like, don't touch the bridge of your nose 46 times in one movie. <laughs> like I could tell that was more of a nervous tick that he was bringing in because he probably felt like nervous being around these actors. Interesting. like that. I read that as being nervous around these upperclassmen or like just being a, a ner- nervous person. Yeah. I thought that Sabrina kind of delivered her lines where she was like, yeah, like I just felt like she was actually not acting and just was kind of plucked out of nowhere yeah. and like... Yeah, I'll do this movie. Uh, nice, sure. nice. Yeah, but those, yeah, those are the two without any kind of training. Um, like everybody was so green on this. The only person who really had any true experience was Anthony Rapp because he he was uh, he was doing a lot of plays before this and things like that. So even Richard Linklater said like. I was, he was the only one who showed up and like knew his lines. Like everyone else would like read their lines before they would start their scenes because they didn't, they weren't really, they've never done a movie before. Even so they, Ben Affleck? Yeah, yeah. He was just like, wow. You know, he was, he was nobody. He like, was very good at being a jerk. I know. He was, <laughs> Ben Affleck was the one, like him and McConaughey were the two that I was like, like they are themselves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like not themselves, but. Burn on the Affleck. Like, not, not, I didn't mean personality wise, but like. Like they, their cadences, like you know, you even said you're like Ben Affleck sounds exactly the he same. Does, yeah. Like you know, you watch him in any movie going past this, and he sounds exactly like you know O'Bannon in this movie. I will admit that I didn't know where "All right, all right, all right" came from until the other night. Oh yeah, he it was, it was born in this movie, and then it, it literally Matthew McConaughey adopted that for the rest of his life. But it's crazy because I feel like people for. Because this movie was made in 93. Yeah. I saw Matthew McConaughey in like The Wedding Planner and... Failure to launch, probably. No, <laughs> but uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Uh, and and then I feel like it wasn't until like the commercials for Lexus that All Right, All Right, All Right came back. Was it mm. Lexus? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's always saying it in like interviews and like award shows. I guess so. Like he just, I feel like he just like adopted it for himself. <laughs> like, you know, like that Wooderson characteristic. All right, all right, all right. Thank you. And all right, all right, all right. To any of us, whatever those things are, whatever it is we look up to, whatever it is we look forward to, and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen. To that I say all right, all right, all right. It was nice to see the blonde hair again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about Wooderson a little bit, because I, I like that character was supposed to have a much smaller role, and then like Matthew McConaughey just brought so much charm to it all. <laughs> like, because it was supposed to just be that commentary of like that creepy dude who hangs out like who still hangs out with high school students after he's not in high school. Yeah. Which I totally knew those people as well. And then 
they just didn't realize like how fucking charming Matthew McConaughey was going to be. And like, even when he says like truly sleazy lines, like it still somehow comes off as charming, you know, lines that I thought were hilarious at the time. And like now when I hear them, they're super creepy. Like, you know, his most famous line in the movie is that's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older. They stay the same age. <laughs> I think very few actors could pull that off sounding charming. Like, you know, like it's like it's like funny and you're just like, ah. Like even his friends are like, ah, you're gonna end up in jail one day, man. Like, you know, like, it was so it was so like, you know, this guy's like 21, 22 years old, and like he's asking the 14-year-old what the next crop right. of 14-year-old girls are gonna look like. Like God. I so could great. relate to I forget her um Anthony Rapp's friend, the redhead that yeah, um, shit, I forgot her name, too. Well, but, yeah. anyway, the redhead, who being into McConaughey's character, I could relate to that, like, being into the creep and looking back and being like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, yeah, because <laughs> you're young. Like, I even love, like, when he hits on her and then his t- her two friends, like, think that she's going to be, like, disgusted and she's just, like, starts doing her hair, yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, they... You, you can act like, like especially when you're a bit of a social outcast, like, you can act like you don't care, and you're like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. smarter than all these people, like, like you know, like, I, I'm not into what they are because I'm, like, more intellectually superior, but then you get a little attention from somebody who's, like, quote-unquote popular and cool. Yeah. You just go, like, you immediately just revert, like, oh, yeah, I want to be, I want to be cool. Like, you right. know, like, it's, yeah. that's, uh, that's uh, Giovanni Rabisi's sister. Who's Giovanni? Never mind. <laughs> come on tell me it's hard because i i have to relate them to movies you've seen and i don't know <laughs> i'll look him up hold on all right oh he's in um sherlock oh okay whoa here's his sister yeah i'm pretty sure they're twins whoa that's cool uh, and she's married to beck now beck the singer Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody. He's got that song "Loser." That's very famous. I almost said I'm a loser, but it's creep. Yeah. All right. I don't know, Beck. Okay. <laughs> I knew McConaughey types even even after high school. Well, actually, he was a bit extreme because he was like someone who was out of high school who was like still looking at like fourteen year old girls, which is totally creepy. Mm-hmm. But like, I definitely knew a kid in high school who. I want to say for the three years after we left high school, like, so we graduated at 18, for the next three years, he was at every high school prom. Wow. Like, he just kept dating girls who were seniors after we finished. And, like, the first year was like, ah, but, like, the third year, everybody was just like, dude, you're getting creepy, man. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, we're all in college uh... doing college shit, and, like, you're fucking going to the high school prom, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, those people exist, for sure. <laughs> Do you think Ben Affleck is the future, uh, or his character in this movie is the future McConaughey in this movie? <laughs> mm, I don't think so, because his character doesn't come off to me as someone who gets a lot of girls. Uh-huh. Like, he's just so filled with, like, anger and, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, like McConaughey was, like, the epitome of cool. Like, everybody mm. liked him in this in the movie. Like, you know? Like, so he's just trying to keep, stay in that. Yeah, yeah, because you're, like, the king of the, of the thing. Because another thing this movie, I think, nails perfect is that feeling of, going of like becoming quote unquote like the oldest person in your school because like you know like in middle school when you're in eighth grade you're like you're walking the walk you're, oh yeah you're, you're fucking cool in the sixth grade is this and that and then you immediately revert from that to being freshman which is like the lowest at the totem pole mm-hmm. and like you know you saw that with like the the the, the freshman kids where 
you know, they're they're leaving their last eighth grade dance and they're just like, that's our last junior high party. Like, it's only high school from now on. Everything's going to be great. And then in reality, they're getting, like, chased down and beaten with paddles and, yep. and made fun of. And, like, you know, so it's just, I, I, it's, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's so goddamn realistic to me. Like, I have, yeah, I have one question. Yeah. Speaking of realistic, did you have woods parties? Is that a real like oh, something that actually happened for you? No, but we didn't have a lot of woods. Yeah. Um, on you know, like on Long Island, like yeah, there was like wooded areas, but no, we didn't have a lot of like parties in the woods. But that would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I lean on you for like, did you do this? <laughs> I saw this in a movie. Did you do that? <laughs> Lived under a rock or something. And yeah, like we talked about the cult classic nature of this movie, how over time it kind of grew, you know, in popularity and people started liking it and this and that. Um, and you could definitely see the influence, I think, that this had because we spoke about it with the kind of cast becoming famous, but not just the fact that it's about, uh, you know, Freaks and Geeks is 1999, but takes place in 1980. 76 verse 93 not only like on that superficial level but both the way they like to navigate like two distinct social circles you know in this movie you get a little bit of everybody and then in that movie it's like you get the the, the stoner weirdo i mean not bur- weirdo but like the stoner burnout like, characters who are considered the freaks and then you also get the geeks and i've never heard them say this but I, there's no way in hell that Bonnie Turner and Terry Turner did not get inspiration for this when they decided to make that 70s show. Because oh. that literally came out like five years later, and it was just about a group of kids, in the, teenagers in the 70s, you know, mm-hmm. doing 70s stuff. So I just find it funny, like all the... It, there's definitely been a lot of influence to come out of this. Some Same way this was influenced by American Graffiti, like I said, and then and vice versa. But when I was watching, I was like, there's no way that 70s show isn't... Let's do Disney Confused as a TV show. Art influencing art. I love it. Yeah. Oh. So I thought I think that's pretty cool. That's nice. Isn't that special? <laughs> right? Yeah. Who, who says that again? Dana Carvey. Damn, ha, got him. <laughs> all right. A little fun, like, kind of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, while uh, all the actors did say, like, they loved this experience and they were all, like, best friends. The one actor um, who played Pickford, he was the one, he was Mila Jovovich's boyfriend, the one who was supposed to throw the party, but gets in trouble because the beer guy delivers the beer too early. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was the one actor who didn't get along with anybody. He, uh, I don't know why exactly, like they didn't really go into it, but they were just talking about in the behind the scenes how he was just rubbing everybody the wrong way, especially the main guy who played Pink. And because of that, they ended up cutting his role significantly. Like, he was supposed to be with them to the end. He was supposed to be with them on the football field at the end. And because everyone loved Matthew McConaughey so much, they just rewrote it. <laughs> so, Matthew McConaughey... Like, he was supposed to have, like, one scene where he, you know, gives his famous line, his, his stuff like that, and then leave. And then they were just like, you know what, we're just going to put him at the end of the movie and take him out. And then the downside of that, though, was Mila Jovovich's part got cut down a lot, too, because all her scenes were with him. Ugh. So that's why you even said, like, oh, I can't wait till she starts talking and this and that. <laughs> and there were a lot of scenes filmed with her having dialogue and this and that, but they all just ended up getting cut because this guy was such an asshole. Oh, like, he even got into, like, a fist fight with, with the guy who played Pink at one point on what? set, and they had to, like, break it up. Like, they, they really weren't getting along. That's insane. Um, so... But because of that, it gave Matthew McConaughey more time to, to shine. I mean, great, but I feel bad for her. Yeah. I yeah. was really excited to hear her talk. I've 
literally only heard her voice in Fifth Element, but like I wanted to hear her talk as a normal person. Yeah. I, saw <laughs> I bunch- guess I could YouTube it. But. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of those shitty Resident Evil movies, and she's the star of all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I, I was, you know, she's she's good, but right. it just sucks that that's her franchise. It's not that- a good franchise. Yeah, there's always that one person in the production. Yeah, exactly. There really is. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Warriors. The all over exactly. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say. So, like, to go off, this is like production issues I was telling you about, where you know the the producer, him and like Ladder just didn't get along, and I kind of see both their sides to it. Where Richard Linklater just got like, he got really precious over this, where he's like, "No, this is my movie. Like, I'm doing it the way I want to do it." And they were like, "Yeah, but it's our money." And to be fair, the studio's the one who went to bat for like. This movie wouldn't have got made if the producers didn't really fight for it because the the studio didn't really want to make a high school movie at the time and this and that. And they basically, the the producers that he partnered with had a deal with the studio where it's like, if we bring you a movie and it's under a certain budget, you have to make this movie. Like it was like a certain picture deal. Like I don't remember, they didn't say what it was, but like say it was like a five picture deal where they you're guaranteed to make five movies as long as it doesn't go over a certain budget and certain this. So basically they played that card where they were like, listen, we don't care. You don't want to make this movie. We believe in this guy, so it's it's going to happen. And then, in turn, Richard Linklater was burning a lot of money, wasting a lot of daylight. They were saying, like, you know, he would just, like, stop shooting to, like, have production meetings in the middle of the day. And, like, it would slow the whole day down as opposed to, you know, doing that maybe at night. So that way, the next day, you're not, like, losing a whole shooting day. So they just, they, they were going back and forth and having a lot of, like, fights about that kind of stuff. Hmm. I, I just was wondering, this movie was made in 93, it didn't make a lot in the box office, but when, do you have an idea of when this became a cult classic, like when it started to gain that popularity? Um, It was a slow burn for sure on video, like a lot of people would just, start, like once it was released on VHS, it like a lot of teens were seeing it for the first time, mm-hmm. and then it was actually for the 10 year anniversary, once they realized, they realized how huge of a following it was, they had, they threw like a huge anniversary like screening party at the uh, place where the party took place uh, by the water tower <laughs> that's awesome and so they did a drive-in viewing of the movie like people came and dressed as characters and all the actors and the director showed up and like signed autographs and they said like that was the first time they realized like whoa we made something that's like gonna permeate culture that's for a great. very long time and a lot i mean a good ch- chunk of the reason why it didn't get a lot of money too was that like since the studio was kind of like forced to make the movie by the producers, they didn't put any marketing market budget into marketing. They were really mad that it was uh, of all the language in the movie because, you know, th- there's so much cursing in this movie that it has to be an R-rated movie. But from the studio's logic, they were like, R-rated movies are hard to sell. The only reason it's R is because you have people cursing. Like, there's not too much, like, quote-unquote, soup. There's not a lot of violence, this and that. And... From their perspective, they were like, if there was a lot of violence or there was like new, his teen movies back in the 80s, like had a lot of nudity. There was always like gratuitous tit shots. And like, you know, you would see like a big breasted girl jumping around and they were like, you don't have any of that. So we can't even sell it to teens that way. Like (laughs) the new sexy comedy that's out or the movie with violence. Like, you know, you can't really sell like, come listen to the movie where they say fuck all the time. Like, you know. So in their eyes, they were like, it was a waste of an R rating where (laughs) it was just like, you don't have any of the titillating things that we could use to sell the movie. But yet it's still R-rated. So they were just like, they didn't give a shit. They uh, they didn't even give it a wide release. Like, it didn't it didn't come out all across the country. They kind of just put it in a few theaters in a couple states. Mm. And uh, Ben Affleck even told a funny story where, you know, he was, he was walking around one day after the movie had already wrapped and it was all over. And then a guy came up to him and he was like, hey, uh, hey, we're, we, 
I'm trying to get, they were trying to get a test audience to watch the movie for test screenings. Okay. And somebody invited him like, hey, <laughs> do you want to come see this movie or whatever? And he was just like, yeah, what is it? And he's like, ah, the guy was like, I don't even know what it's called. It's some, some movie about, you know, kids driving around and smoking weed and listening to music. And then Ben Affleck's like, who's in the movie? And the guy goes, nobody. <laughs> like, oh. like, like right to his face. <laughs> and then and he's like what's it called and the guy's like ah let me look it up and he's like dazed and confused and that's when Ben Affleck was like alright so this is a fucking bomb like, oh, like no. in his head like you know and Richard Linklater even wrote like this huge letter and sent it to the whole cast to be like hey guys like I just want you to know that this this is probably not going to be seen by a lot of people like I'm super proud of what we made you know we all worked hard you guys did a great job but because of the, the nature of how movies are released like this is probably not going to get seen by many people. So I just want you to not get down on yourselves and think like we made a bad product. It's just, right. it's just, it's not going to be seen and no one's ever going to remember this movie. Like, you know, which in reality is hilarious. Little did they know. Because <laughs> yeah, this movie is very highly like. Yeah. The reason of- I asked is because, you know, for the producers and obviously the actors know that it's a success. They're all young and they're still around today, but yeah, I'm glad that they got to see that. You know, it actually did end up getting a following. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because all the actors were like between like seventeen and like twenty-one. You know, so they they were young enough. Where yeah, now at this age, they they look back and they're like, yeah, that was amazing. We made an amazing (laughs) movie, and you know, it's gonna be remembered for the for the rest of time. And the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up, just talking about the movie as a whole, um, is how fucking killer the soundtrack is to this movie. I feel like you've had this trend of picking movies where the soundtrack just blows your mind and you just love. Yeah, like, you know, a lot of people, I I guess why I get annoyed when people just watch movies like just for like the plot and they were like, that was stupid because I didn't like this. And you don't take like every aspect of a movie, like everything from how they light it to how the actors perform to where the story is going to what music is chosen. Those are all key ingredients to making like an awesome movie. Mm -hmm. And I love that that was the one thing that the, like a lot of the reason they hired unknown actors and, and did a lot of this stuff on the cheap was because they knew they needed to get these songs in the movie. And these aren't not famous songs. These are very famous songs. So they even said one fifth of the entire budget went to just clearing the licenses for the movie. Like, I think they paid $100,000 for the Aerosmith song that opens the movie. And Aerosmith, that song's not even on the soundtrack because Aerosmith was like, $100,000 to use it in the movie. You have to pay more <laughs> if you want it to be put on the official soundtrack. And so the, the choice of songs were very important to Richard Linklater because, especially when you're a teenager, like, not for everybody, but I feel like that the reason people never really let go of the mu- music they loved when they were teenagers because that's when it means the most to you. Oh, yeah. So everyone always says, like, oh, music in my day was better than music now. And it's that's not necessarily true. It's just when you're 15 to 17, like, music means so much to you. Yes. It did to me, at least. So, like, you know, like, I, I can listen to rappers today, and I like a lot of rappers today, but none of it, no matter how much I love Joyner Lucas and Kendrick Lamar, it's not going to hit me the way right. the rappers I listen to when I was 16 did. I was open-minded, all right, put it on. 90 seconds later, I'm like this old man. Ah, this isn't music! <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, you dressed like a woman and you sung about the devil. Now, now that was music! The songs literally take you back to that time. Exactly. Like it br- brings back those feelings how yeah. you felt in that time and and because link is such a stickler for all this too like he was very adamant like if a song came out two months after this movie was taking place he wouldn't put it in mm. like he was he like looked up all the release dates and made sure it was 
the exact songs that would have been out and would have been popular at the time. That's crazy. Um, I wonder what character he relates to in this movie. Yeah, side I don't note. know. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? So I just, yeah, I think the soundtrack just like, and like, I'm not a classic rock head. Like I, I think I said in the beginning, like I couldn't remember the goddamn Pink Floyd song. Um, so it's like, for me, it's, it's more just like, they're just good songs. They're not, it's not like, I'm not a huge Aerosmith head. I like, like, you know, I, I respect Bob Dylan, but I don't have his records. Like, I don't know a lot of the B-sides. I just know his hits. Mm-hmm. So it's, but like, oh, I can, I, I love every song in this movie. And like, I've seen the movie so much that I just, I see the scenes when I hear, like, like I hear, like I said earlier, I hear sweet emotion. I, <laughs> I see the car in slow motion driving through the school parking lot. That, that, that's the opening shot of the movie. Wow. You know what I mean? I don't know if I just need to watch a movie a couple of times when it's not a musical yeah. to get to have the music sink into me like that because you know i'm focused on the characters and getting to know the plot and what the story is that i didn't even really take in the music aspect yeah of this film totally so, totally i i love how passionate you are about it yeah. <laughs> i same thing happened in warriors where i was just so like yeah. into what i think it's just going on with i them. think a lot of it stems with like my first when i first started paying attention to filmmakers like my first favorite filmmaker and still to this day is one of my top five it was always john carpenter and he famously like always composes his own music for his own movies Mm -hmm. like he wrote the halloween theme the famous one so it's um i just like i remember you know seeing halloween at a young age and then having that music just engraved in me that like this is scary i hear this and i'm scared yes and then i started learning about john carpenter and i realized he always composed his own music because he understood how important it was for a movie to have like its own sound. And then, so I think just because I fell in love with him first before any other filmmaker, I always kind of have a little thing about how important music is in a movie Mm -hmm. and like when it's used the right way. Right. That's pretty cool. Um, Why don't we move on to best worst? I think it's time. You want to go first? All right, I'll go first. Um, I'll pick a more obscure one um, because I think there's a lot of easy ones we could pick, which we will get to. So, the paddles that the seniors used to, <laughs> to beat the freshmen, the actors were allowed to design all their own paddles. Like that was part of like the thing. It's like, oh, make what your character would put on a paddle. So I always loved kind of watch it, like looking at them and seeing what they were in this and that. So I want to say best worst paddle. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> if you if you don't if you can't think of it. No, I have a best. I don't have a worst. Yeah, worst <laughs> is kind of hard. I have a worst, but only because it's unmemorable. But yeah, go, you, can, you can go ahead. Um, I'm forgetting the character's name, but the redhead guy, the one who has a conversation with Pink in the car. Oh, uh, Benny. Benny. Yeah. I think he had the best, but I don't. Okay, if I'm being honest, I don't really remember what it looked like. I'm just really impressed that I thought the whole time he was actually working like on an assignment for Wood. class but the whole time he was actually crafting the paddle (laughs) that he was going to use later on that day so that's why i'm giving i just feel like the effort all right you saw it the most with him so i'm just gonna give him the best awesome all right i'm gonna uh i'm gonna switch the order and i'm gonna just do my worst because actually his was my worst (laughs) i love your reasoning you just gave i never really put that together like that that's a good reason to like it but it's more like i've seen this movie so many times and i'm always trying to catch it and the only identifiable thing i could see on it is uh, like a four-leaf clover because mm-hmm. he's Irish. Yes. And uh, and so, like, I'm like, all right, that's cool. But everything else just kind of seems like just, like, weird little designs that don't really mean anything. And I like them when they're real funny. So my honorable mention is the one black character. I think Soul Pole is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
like yeah just for for that but um i gotta give it to ben affleck because i had to watch the movie like seven times before i understood what his meant because it's f-a-h and the letter q mm-hmm. and i was like what the hell is that what does that mean but it's it's because he's boston and so it's it's fuck you yeah it's fuck you <laughs> and like a that just fits abandoned perfectly yep and even though they all live in texas you know he's so famously from boston so like it's just like it was him just putting his little like boston touch on it with the fuck you that's pretty funny <laughs> so his is my favorite favorite love it um and then he had have, two years to work on it though yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then his other side was kind of lame it just said ob for obanya and then it said badass mm-hmm. so like that's fine but that, that wasn't that good oh my god will you believe it wasn't until like sophomore year of college i knew what those things were used for like i didn't know i was like why do you do all these sororities and fraternities have these and yeah that's funny oh what a noob uh, <laughs> all right so that was my first best worst yeah but what's your best Oh, the soul. Sorry. No, Ben Affleck's. Fuck you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your worst? Oh my. Oh my God. (laughs) Are you listening? (laughs) I'm listening. (laughs) I guess I'm gonna go the obscure route as well. All right. Best worst crime. (laughs) Because there are a lot of crimes committed in this movie. All right, Uh, you go because I have to think. Okay, by best crime, I guess. (laughs) No, I'm gonna start out with the worst. Okay. I hate, I absolutely hate the mailbox crushing. See, mailbox smashing? Yeah. We saw it in Stand By Me. I just, I hate it. Do kids actually do this? I I mean, yeah, that's, there was a couple, I mean, like, I never did that myself, but our mailbox in front of my parents' house has been smashed a couple times. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it's just something you do. It's so, ugh, it annoys me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I thought that was the worst crime, uh, just because it affects so many people. And Yeah. Ugh. What was your best? My best crime? Yeah. You're not even going to share your worst yet? Uh, I have to think about it. Uh, you've seen this movie so many times. I know, I know. I mean, the best I put weed consumption. <laughs> ah, come on. Because <laughs> it's technically a crime, yeah, but yeah. it's like the best. <laughs> That's funny. I guess worst... It, and uh, it's kind of cheating. I was going to say, because it's never actually seen in the movie, but I very much believe that Matthew McConaughey has probably had sex with a 14 or 15-year-old at some point mm. in his life while he was in his 20s. Eh, that crime could, could go down as worst. All <laughs> right. Kinda good on Alleg- that. Yep. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, and then also by today's standards, like paddling 14-year-olds as brutally as they do is definitely a crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, one story I forgot to tell was when I was in uh, on the track team, there was one time, like the one instances of hazing I've ever I ever saw was like the older varsity kids like took one of the younger kids and like uh like tied him to a tree in the front of the school for like fifteen minutes or something, and then like cars were driving by and like honking and they were all laughing and this and that, and it was such a goddamn scandal. Like we had like we had like the police were called that the coach had to like bring us all down and like he fucking like reamed out the whole team like everybody even the ones who had nothing to do with it and like it, it became like such a huge fucking deal and then i just remember like even at the time because i'd already seen this movie a bunch where i was like yeah these aren't those days anymore like because mm. that wasn't even they didn't even like hurt the kid like they just like i don't even know what they tied him up with but like you know it was just like it's definitely could be traumatizing to a young kid. Like, I'm not trying to downplay that it's fucked up, but like, it definitely, they weren't like holding him up against a fence and beating his ass, you know what I mean? Right. So, so like, I was just like, man, hazing laws are fucking different these days. Yeah. Like, you cannot get away with this kind of shit. For good reason. Thank God. Yeah. 
and then uh yeah just the uh the underage i guess yeah just like the underage drinking and and smoking you know like that was probably the best crime that's, <laughs> that's pretty victimless and pretty pretty fun oh can i also say uh because i forgot to mention this earlier when they're driving around and they have the trunk full of beers, you remember that? And then yes. they're, they're like giving them, they give one to the kid they paddle and they give them to the girls. Yep. I remember th- when I saw this before I was like in high school, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like I was like, damn, that is cool. <laughs> and then now when I watch it, I'm just like, man, it's summer in Austin, Texas. Those beers are gross. <laughs> like that is a trunk full of piss warm beers. Like you got to keep them cold. Like that that is not cool at all. Like they're just handing out warm ass beers to everyone. It's fucking gross. Yeah. yeah, that's my worst crime. Giving people warm beers. <laughs> yeah, change it. Oh <laughs> man, that's a crime against humanity. Warm beers beat alleged rape. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. What's next? Um, let's just go nice and broad for this one since we went obscure and just go best worst character. Ooh. Okay, why don't you go so I can think about it? All right, me just for straight laughs, I gotta go Slater. He is so funny. Like, he's just like that that one dude who's way more into weed than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I just find him, I like him because he has like all the, the funniest lines in my opinion. And is just always memorable every time he's on screen. But I like also that he gets like made fun of a little bit by the other characters. You know, because... It, it's easy to think of someone like that because he has like so much confidence when it comes to like partying you know like that that they're always like kind of cool and confident but whenever he tries to like talk to a girl he always comes off as like such a nerd <laughs> and i find that just so funny like he's, you know he's talking to the girls he's like trick you later and then he's like why are you always gonna say dorky stuff trick you later trick you later trick you later trick you later he just cracks me up like he just reminds me of so many people i went to high school with but taken to like an extreme level of craziness of stupidness that's a pretty good one yeah I forget what. Remember the scene where he asked Mitch if. What did he ask Mitch again? Hey, you cool, man? Oh, Which yeah. Like, like, how? It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny because I was on the same page as Mitch. I was like, like, how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love it because, like, by answering that way, the answer is no. I'm favorite. not cool. <laughs> Your that's, favorite. That's a good one. I mean, I gotta go with Tony, but I don't know if it's because of his character or because I love Anthony Rapp, but I will say he just seemed like the most, he he just seemed like someone I would hang out with. Yeah, like he was definitely not one of the crazy ones. Yeah, and he was normal. You could have a normal conversation with him. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't go against the hazing, but he was kind of like, uh, all right, Even give his, her a break. Uh, having sex with Abraham Lincoln dream. <laughs> all right that was weird but i mean everyone has weird dreams it's well, fine i think it's just the mix to show that he's like a little bit sexually repressed because he doesn't get a lot of girls and mm-hmm. then also he's just a super nerd so like he has like history on his mind you know? right <laughs> i like yeah uh, it was cool that's i, cool. I, I yeah, don't know tony's i liked a good him choice. tony's a good choice although the the senior dating a freshman thing i thought i think that's a little bit weird i know that he's not dating sabrina by the end but like I think 18 and 14 are two very different ages. That definitely well, happened. He could be 17. Well, yeah, he's probably 17, but then she's probably 13. Because she's, you know, you're, you're 14 in ninth grade. Yeah, I guess so. I, I knew a lot of people who dated seniors, so yeah, I, mean, I guess it's not weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I knew some too, but I don't know. I feel like when I, I was guess... a freshman, whenever we'd see, like, a senior dude dating a girl in ninth grade, it would always be like, oh, he's one of those. Like, mm, yeah. Like, it's... I guess that is weird. People forget, like, how early, how young you are when you're a freshman. Like, you're just a teenager. Like, you just became one pretty recently. 
That's true. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy. I just find it funny. Like The beginnings of their relationship seemed pretty, like, innocent. Like, it seemed like they were kind of on the same level in terms of... Experience? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't if, like, Don was dating teenage. Like, right. a, a freshman, that would be way worse. Yeah. Or fucking Wooderson at, at, that, at that moment. Um, always, the one I've always hated the most was fucking Carl, Mitch's friend with the blonde hair. Oh my god, yes, yeah. he's my worst. Oh, I hate him. Like, I hate him too. Ever since I saw the movie for the first time, and I think I hate him the most because he gets like a moment of victory, but nothing bad ever really happens to him. So like he's shitty the whole movie, but he never gets paddled by the seniors. He's always shitty to his friends. He's always trying to be cool when he's not. And he's like, a slimy friend. Yeah. Like, he's one of those friends who would like pretend, who would ditch you just to be a part of the cool crowd. And then, like, as soon as you get any attention from the cool folks, he'll come right around and, like, be your friend again. Like, that's the vibe he gave me. Like, I remember when I first saw it, like, because first he ditches Mitch at the baseball game. And he's like, can you just take your hits over there so we can all sneak away? And then I was like, all right, whatever. But then following that, he's like a dick at the the party. And their fattest, nerdiest friend is, like, hooking up with a girl. And he's really jealous. So he's like, get out of here. This party's lame, you know. And Hertzfelder goes with them. And then, then they get almost busted again. And then his... Hersfelder ends up getting punished for his being a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, like, I thought that was going to go down where, like, when Mitch finally saw them again, he would be like, now that he's all cool, he would be like, you fucking dicks. But then he immediately just helps him get back at Ben Affleck. Yeah. Which is awesome. Ben Affleck needed to be getting back at, but, like, mm-hmm. I needed some, I needed some Mitch justice. Like, he, he, he needed to get something. Time. And all those fucking jokes were so, like, he was written well because, you know, eighth graders make stupid ass jokes, but he's always trying to be cool. And he's like, you know, he just like repeats what someone says. Like, you heard that? He was getting there. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's just, he's, I fucking hate Carl ever since I saw the movie the first time. But he gets the best mom award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. But even that, I was just like, man, like, this, I don't know. Just like, I could see where his bratty personality comes from where like if his mom is willing to brandish a gun to protect them from like something that's like yes harmful but not like all you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I, it almost like gives me like his weird sense of entitlement and like where he's like his mom's probably he's probably an only child and his mom coddled the hell out of him you know like uh, i guess like so that. like that scene's awesome i love when the mom comes out with the gun but yeah. like i'm just like yeah i think that's where his shitty personality comes from where he's like mommy will come with a fucking gun if uh if anyone bothers me yeah and then what happens when you leave the house again yeah so yeah i hate carl i hate carl too <laughs> we hate carl <laughs> <laughs> and i'm glad that actor didn't become fair no, i'm kidding uh-huh. <laughs> i have nothing against the actor <laughs> i was gonna say i i almost said all carls in movies suck but I was only thinking of Carl from Ghost. No. <laughs> so then I don't know any I other know, I was Carls. Like, what are the Carls you think of? <laughs> Carl! 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 Do you have any other best words? No, I don't have any others. All right, cool. Yeah, we can call it that. I mean, we can go honestly for days with like best worst outfit, best worst like song choice, best worst. So, like, you know what? Let, 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 let the viewers at home play. And you guys go do your own best worst. Right. <laughs> Why don't we go beyond the credits? Credits, 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 credits. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, beyond the credits is where we like to theorize what happens to our characters after the movie. And we discuss whether we think it needs a sequel, if we want one, and if so, what could happen in it. So, uh, do you have any uh, beyond the credits thoughts? Well, I'm I'm actually curious to hear yours because you've watched this so many times that I wonder if you've ever thought about what 
if one if you want a sequel and two what it would be yeah um i don't no i don't necessarily want a full-on sequel i kind of like it just being this like self-contained story and even as like to what happens to the characters afterwards i kind of think like the ends of all their little art like i think it just kind of follows the same natural progression of the movie um i don't think that pink ends up playing football the next year i think uh you know, he's, he seems open to it by the end, but he's like, I'm never going to sign his permission slip. And all the school people just seem so hard-headed that they'd rather, like, kick off their star quarterback to make a point, mm. you know, than, than like, kind of, like, let him come on. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of see, like, the whole next year playing out the same, like, with every thread they left. So I think Darla ends up, uh, Parker Posey's character ends up um, just tormenting Sabrina for the whole year. Because remember, she wouldn't do the air raid for her at the, at the party. Yep. Yeah, beyond the credits, is like we almost have to go with like every single character and like where they're at. So, do you think that the freshmen we saw in this movie continued the tradition? I mean, I think so, but yeah, I could definitely see like it, to go back to hating on Carl. I could see him almost like <laughs> being like an, a Ben Affleck type as long as he grows a little bigger because he's super small, right? But like, I could just see him like reveling in it, like you know. I could, I could see him being the kind of asshole who he somehow makes it through the whole summer sliming away without ever getting his licks once. You know, because, like, they keep basically saying, like, if we don't get you today, we have all your open season all summer. Right. And then somehow he slips away, gets all his friends get hit all the time, never gets hit. But still, when it comes time to be his turn, he still, like, like loves doing it and dishing out the pain and acts like, you know, like, oh, I've been there. Even right. though he never got hit. I could totally Ugh. see that. I could see that, too. But, um, I, yeah, I could see Mitch coming into his own... Um, he's definitely going to break curfew way more than he did after his mom warned him, like, this is your one get out of jail free right. card. I mean, his older sister is kind of the same. Yeah. But it, it to me, it seemed like she, like, kind of her curfew, like, you know, like, she didn't really have one as much mm-hmm. by, you know, by the time she was that age. Right. Um, but I could see him, like, throughout high school just doing that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think Wooderson's just going to get arrested eventually for dating a minor uh-huh. <laughs> or, or dating is like a nice term for having sex with a minor right i don't think this movie warrants a sequel but i do think that it would be cool and i'm surprised they haven't done this yet to give it a spin-off with just focusing on matthew mcconaughey's character oh yeah that'd be pretty funny yeah i think it's way too late to do that now is it <laughs> just dye his hair blonde again he could channel it like it wouldn't be that time like it wouldn't be like the 70s or 80s like yeah. it would just be like his character now like what does that look like yeah yeah or like how old he would have been <laughs> right time wise yeah yeah um that's not bad I, I would definitely want richard linklater to make that because we could have a yeah. uh, we could have a like they just made the big lebowski spinoff last year mm-hmm. and it was not good like they talked about like john Turturro plays a side character in big lebowski and he's fucking hilarious he steals every scene he's in mm-hmm. and for years everyone's like oh what if we gave him a movie what if we gave him a movie and then they finally made it and like it landed like a dud nobody saw it yeah uh, like it's okay i watched it it's like it's fine but it wasn't made by the coen brothers so mm. like like it was, it was like that bot- magic in a bottle, like that happened, yeah, in that first movie. So I wouldn't want just like some rando making Wooderson the movie, and all of a sudden just like I agree, like a shell of what this is. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Speaking of sequels, what is pretty cool is there's not a real sequel, but Linklater did make kind of like a spiritual successor to this, and it's called Everybody Wants Some, 
It came out a few years ago, I want to say 2016, maybe 2017, and it takes place in the 80s, and it's a movie that's all in one day, pretty much very similarly structured to this, where it's a day in a life without any kind of major plot points, and it takes place um, the first day a guy's going to college. So he shows up to college, to his dorm room, meets all the people he's going to be living with that year, and it just kind of like lays out that day. So it's going, you know a couple of years older than these characters and the next decade. So like, you know, it's not any of the same characters or anything like that, but a lot of people have called that like the unofficial sequel to Days of the Confused. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really good. It got good reviews and stuff, but it, I don't think it was marketed too well either. Like, you know, I don't think it made a lot of money and it doesn't quite have the star power. Like, like the cast is good in it, but they're not, uh, it's not quite like this level of a like future A-listers or anything like that. So yeah, I think like that's a cool way to do it where instead of making like Days of Confused 2, it's the same theme, the same idea, the same school setting, but now you're going to college, you're going older, you're going another decade. Right. And uh, so yeah. I, think- I was just going to say like one of the things I was going to mention in this section is I would love a Dazed and Confused but for 90s kids because I feel like in this era of nostalgia, we're just... It just fits. Like, we need our own version of yeah. Days and Confused. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, we didn't see it, but uh, I feel like we got a little bit of that with the Jonah Hill with mid-90s. Oh. We haven't seen it yet, so I don't know exactly how much it fits, but that kind of, you know, like he wrote that drawing on his own experience of being a teenager in the 90s. Um, all right, Masha, so... We've talked oh, about this movie in a weird... so fast! <laughs> We've talked about this movie in a nice little jumbled way. We didn't follow any kind of structure this time, but honestly, this movie de- is devoid of structure it, as well. Yeah, this is pretty fitting for this movie. Yeah. But in the one part of our structure we are going to keep to, <laughs> I got an important question for you. Do you love what I love, man? I love it. Man, I was. Man. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I was dazed and confused watching this movie. (laughs) Uh, One thing I love about this podcast is it allows me to hear certain stories about your life and your upbringing that you wouldn't have necessarily told me in regular conversations. Like that whole story about what you and your friends like breaking into that house. Yeah. Well, the, pro- <laughs> the problem is I don't, I'm not like keeping stories from you. It's more like, I don't think about them until something like this sparks the memory. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that did happen. And, you know, it's like, like, do I even know you? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but it is really fun to hear, hear those things. So I appreciate, how much you love this movie and... <laughs> i know where this is going no listen you don't know i like that you like it <laughs> i personally could i i can appreciate why you love it so much uh-huh. but i i know i've been tackling with what my definition of loving a movie is but mm-hmm. i know for sure that this isn't one that i will debate on i uh-huh. i just i i don't love it Fair. No problem. <laughs> i really enjoyed seeing all of the familiar faces and now knowing when i see dude where's my car that it is not this movie yeah this, this is much better <laughs> but yeah i just maybe it's because i just couldn't relate to a lot of the stuff that these teens were going through or like the whole lifestyle and suburban high school hanging out and drinking and smoking like i wasn't doing any of those things so 
for me, it was very like movie. You know how movies are kind of separated from real life? Uh-huh. That was what this was for me, even though it does resonate with a lot of people and what their high school was for them. Uh-huh. It just wasn't for me. All right. All right. What, uh, what are some of your favorite high school movies? Favorite? High Jesus School Musical, Christ. High School Musical 2, High School Musical 3. I do love a High School Musical <laughs> 1. I do. Oh, you're a purist. I love it. <laughs> I, I love liked it before it got laid. <laughs> I, I appreciate High School Musical 2. I did not see High School Musical 3. Oh, I feel man. like any Disney high school Disney Channel movie, you could really just, like, Cheetah Girls, come on. Like, who don't is that a high school movie? It is a high school movie. I mean, it's not a high school movie. It's about high schoolers. Yeah. Man, you put me on the spot here. I feel like there's so many good high school movies I love. I mean, I feel like I know one of your answers, but you're not. It's not coming to you. Save the Last Dance. <laughs> Again, kind of a dance movie, but <laughs> uh, I'm just surprised you haven't said Mean Girls yet. Bring it on, uh, yeah. Mean Girls. Bring it on must be number one. It takes place, and I know again, it's a cheerleading dance movie. Yeah. I don't know, Grease. <laughs> That's a high school movie, it technically. Is, it is, it is. I'll give it to you. I'm sure there are much more, but... Yeah. And, again, it's not realistic. I was really just trying to stitch up to say Mean Girls, and you were just fucking like, yeah, yeah, that one's all right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably in, like, my top, like, ten if yeah, I had to pick. Like, mean Girls is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I love Mean Girls. Because that movie's, like, about high school. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. about, like... like like, what it's like to go to high school. That's kind of what yeah. I was like. I guess I'm just not into... If no one's dancing, you're fucking <laughs> I'm just not... I'm also not just... I'm just not a fan of, like, the chaos. <laughs> you know? Like, the breaking the mailboxes, breaking the rules. I'm just not a fan. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard? It's hilarious. Because it's one thing to be against them in life, but to be like, I don't even want to watch these crazy people. <laughs> they're they're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> they're giving me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't watch movies and you're like, oh, my anxiety is so high right now. <laughs> I'm just like, it's a movie. Chill out. I absolutely, you know this, I hate movies where it's just people putting themselves in scenarios that are completely preventable. Yeah. Or like movies like Vacation. Yeah, yeah. Where they just get. Everything goes wrong. Yeah, I hate those movies. So you, yeah, so you probably hate like the Harold and Kumar. Like the whole thing is like, you know, they're trying to go to White Castle and it takes 90 fucking minutes. Uh, see, no, <laughs> you know, like, that's not for me. <laughs> but. I can appreciate why you might love it. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Andy. It's fine. But I, I still love you. Uh, come on. Sorry. <laughs> you could not love a movie. It'd be fine. <laughs> All right, folks. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast great place to find out what we'll be talking about next and as always if you have the time please take a moment to rate and review every bit of feedback helps i'm andy and i'm masha and i hope you love what i love